0: Hi, and welcome to the Friday Physio Confession Podcast. I am your host, Martin Christensen, and with my co-host, Matt Del Brocco. And no, he's not a porn star. Yet. He's the honest physio, and together we're giving you the failures, the confessions from the clinical space. Enjoy. go welcome to the first ever episode of the friday physio confession podcast now my name is martin christensen i'm a physio from norway and i've beaten the track up in twitter with my friday physio confessions for a year and people seem to like them i don't know why mostly stupid people but here we are and i wanted to do a podcast talking about failures, your unsuccesses, the everyday life or clinical, a glimpse behind the curtain, so to say, or so to speak. I'm not a native English speaker, so bear with me. Now, with me today, I have Matthew, or Matt for short, Del Brocco. And no, he's not a porn star, or he could be. He's a good looking motherfucker but you guys probably know him the best as the honest physio the guy who blew up the freaking internet in a whole whole field by drawing painting beautiful pictures describing our everyday clinical life and more so and even more so matt has designed our own podcast logo so please check that out if you haven't already. And today we're going to talk with, be talking with Matt about his clinical life, his journeys, his stories, his failures. And also why the fuck he wanted to be my co-host. So, Matt Del Brocco, the honest physio. Are you ready? To confess to the father of failures.
1: I think so. I'm not sure I'm on the right podcast. I'm not looking at the same guy you're looking at. This beautiful motherfucker that you're describing. But, uh, oh, you good, I'm mate. more than ready. <laughs> you got. I think you're looking at yourself, aren't you? I think if you shaved your head, you'd be. Uh, we could pass for twins, I reckon. Slightly okay, so yeah,
0: yeah. For, to get some motivation for that, I was looking at myself. I will. I will give you that. But <laughs> you're not too bad either. So yeah. So crack on, Matt. Where are you? Sure. What do you do?
1: What so, do you on about? For anyone who does follow me, probably, some people know me. I kind of kept myself flying under the radar for a while. Used a bit of a pseudonym, if that's the right word, without revealing my true name. Never really told anyone about the account. Yeah. The Twitter account and the Instagram accounts are more of a... Uh, Platform for me to have a little bit of a rant about day to day clinical experiences, and it turns out there's a few people on the internet who think similarly. Um, yeah, like
0: 30,000 on Instagram, mate.
1: Yeah, just cut yourself short here. No, nah, I think 25,000 are probably bots. Who knows? <laughs> who knows? Who's yeah, but following? it's good bots, good bots. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, so it all started out from just drawing a few pictures on the back of. Uh, Back of a pro forma, so where we write our assessments. When I worked in physiotherapy, and a patient saw it, I don't know if you've seen it. If you haven't, go check out the Instagram account on his physio. But it was the guy who was stood inside a Rubik's cube. I don't know if you oh. remember that one. Yeah, I remember that one. Yeah, it was a good one. Yeah, and it it wasn't my patient. It was one of my colleagues' patients, and he saw it and he said, "Oh, huh, that's really funny." And then he left the room, and I thought. That guy likes it. Maybe there's other people on the internet who like it. So straight up, they went, put it on Twitter. And before I knew it, it was people retweeting it. People starting to follow this account. And I thought, God, I'm just a nitwit in England, and people want to follow this account. So there's all these accounts out there. so much more intellectual. And But I've got to keep up that facade now, and that's why I'm doing these case studies, which I know nothing about, and I'm copy and pasting. But <laughs> you seem to love them too. <laughs>
0: Yeah, you're not, you're not that nitwit, you're, you know, uh, I want to, you know, tease you about a bit on uh, um, your case, you didn't mention case studies, and you have a case study just recently up on on Twitter, about a finger, and this yeah. woman, and, this, and her hand, and it went deeper and deeper, and it was her, lo and behold, what, whatever it was, her. Come on, this is for you her... to learn from,
1: this is why I put these up, tell me the diagnosis. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, you came with you came with the diagnosis. You just put, of course, guys. It was the uh, the levator ani lateral diffusus uh, type of thing. And everyone should know this.
1: I like that diagnosis, but I'll go for anterior interosseous nerve syndrome. But your name is a bit better for it. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking wanker. Like wanker. Inability okay. to flex the index at the DIP and the thumb at the IP joint, but this isn't a podcast for that shit. This is a podcast for... Uh, yeah, 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 You have to leave uh, <laughs> you have to leave those to that. You, you can't keep learning people's stuff.
0: <laughs> this is not, uh, this is not what it's all about. But, yeah. so, basically, Matt, we can owe a random patient, a random guy or lady
1: you had nothing to do with for your great pictures. Yeah, and they absolutely love the pictures, so... Then it just got me thinking about different things day to day that I was thinking, why am I overhearing clinicians saying this stuff? Why am I hearing patients saying this stuff? Why is this just accepted in physiotherapy departments all over the world, in private practice? So I thought, I can draw these. But then when you get to about 15 of these drawings, uh, the barrel starts to run a little bit dry. So (laughs) it's your job, Martin, to start giving me a bit more inspiration. A logo I could do.
0: (laughs) Man, I did 52 Friday confessions. What do you think? I stopped. The bucket yeah. is empty.
1: They were very strong. They're strong. You have, to, you have a whole week to think about them. It's a whole lot of toilet time. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> the worst is a couple of them is just, that's me taking a dump after work. <laughs> <writing>. <laughs> They're the
1: best so... <laughs> times. That's when the thoughts come into your head. The yeah. only time that beats that is in between patients when you visit the loo. They're the times when yeah. you really get these uh
0: oh, these epiphanies. Man. Yeah. Oh man, that time is so great when you have that fifteen minutes to spare and just fifteen and minutes. A nice yeah, fifteen minutes. No, you,
1: don't, you don't work in the NHS in England. No, do I don't. I don't.
0: <laughs> right. Okay, just so just imagine a couple of minutes to spare and you can't come to find a quiet, clean loo.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Just read Oh yeah, that's the best day of clinical day. Best moment of the play, but anyway, I'm upstaging you by being me. So please go on, man. Tell
1: us. Uh, so the, I've never really formally introduced myself to people. I keep that kind of under the carpet. Um So how well do you know Mar- uh, England, Martin? I don't know if you've ever heard of somebody called Keel. The what now? <laughs> Keel. Have you ever heard of that? K-E-E-L-E, Keel.
0: Okay, yeah, yeah, okay. (laughs) Next one, next question. Think
1: think of the most prestigious unis in England, you know, your Oxford, your Cambridge, and then flip that on its head and think of a place in the middle of what we call Stoke-on-Trent, somewhere in between Manchester and Birmingham. Famous for its motorway service stations. Famous for a theme park, Colton Towers. Yeah, that's that's where all these crazy rambling thoughts of mine were going through my head while I was sat there in lectures for three years. So I graduated yeah. from Keele University, and I'm doing it a disservice. There's some uh, there's some smart people there. There's some good research coming out of there, but it's probably not. The most desirable place to be on Earth, but forgive me if anyone's listening to this from Stoke on Trent.
0: So, you're t- telling me Stoke on Trent isn't the world's navel?
1: Uh, potentially not. I I think it's more the bowels of the Earth. Bowels. Sort of, okay. Yeah, the bowels uh, of the Earth.
0: The start of the bowels, or you just the ending of the bowels? What, <laughs> want what to kind? <laughs> Can we get this? Okay. okay. More of that. So, there were smart people there as well. Yeah, that's
1: definitely is. I'm doing that. Yeah, those,
0: those people are popping up everywhere. Just yeah. smart people here and smart people there. They need to chill out, be less yeah, smart.
1: Definitely. Yeah. So they need they need to be sharing less case studies on Twitter and more confessions. That's the way to go. Yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> exactly what I was thinking. Thank you. And so then now a, you
1: Yep. It's a three year course in the UK. Don't know if it's similar over there where you are in Norway. But we trained for three years.
0: It's like 20 years here. We have to be insanely good.
1: (laughs) Lifelong learning. That's what it is. Yeah. Now it's two years as well. First year, I was not there at all. I was visiting an ex-girlfriend. She was over in a really nice uni at York University. Lovely place in England. Real nice uni. She was living it up. So I was spending most of my first year of uni staying with her. I felt like I was a student at the University of York. I was going to their library. There I was revising for first year exams. She, all of her peers would be studying for proper intellectual degrees, English, mathematics, economics. Oh, and I was, okay. <laughs> I was sat there in the the library doing the myotome dance like this all day long, shrugging my shoulders. Straightening my elbow, <laughs> there was the- motion checking- baby. <laughs> checking my own anal sensation that's what the library for is <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. the tone all right?
1: yeah is it cord
0: <laughs> or is it just nerves
1: <laughs> so that was uh that was the majority of my first year of uni. It's a good grounding. you start doing all your anatomy and the like, and then we split up and I was uh. I had to do a two-year sentence in Stoke-on-Trent, which was a uh, tricky time for me. But if you do the crime, you've got to do the time, haven't you? So yeah. two years up in the lovely Keel. Lots of clinical placements, lots of not knowing the hell what I was doing, where uh, people were asking me what I thought was going on, and I'd be telling them maybe it's coming from L6. Who knows? Could be anywhere. <laughs> so I think yeah. it's fair to say I maybe wasn't the... Uh, the gold star student um, oh <laughs> oh it's perfect or it's burst of bubble. <laughs> that's oh i love to hear is that what, this is why social media is great you can be anyone you want to be on social media especially yeah except i was thinking you were a bloody genius with all that drawings <laughs> and stuff
0: i was like this yeah. man knows his stuff
1: <laughs> and he knows how to put it into picture format <laughs> yeah
0: especially that
1: so th- three years from university and then straight after that I thought, oh my God, this is nothing like those guys who run on a football pitch with a sponge while I'm there trying to teach people all about spiritually, how to bring up their own phlegm. I thought, really? Is this what you have to do to use that little can of cold spray? <laughs> so not everything I hoped it to be.
0: Oh man, how do you like that? The phlegm stuff. That's that's one of my, my, my hibby jibbies. I can't, I can't do no, that.
1: I haven't I been back that. near of that respiratory stuff since the day I threw that cap up in the air and left university. I have not revisited it once. Probably quite (laughs) prevalent now with uh COVID 19, but the less said about that the better.
0: Yeah I think I think it is an important job. Not don't take me wrong anyone but but I there's only one thing that really makes me sick to my stomach and it's phlegm. Mm. And and when I was working at the hospital a small hospital, so I had to do everything from stroke to respiratory and yeah. Everything in between. Uh, and and this lady, this old sweet lady, she discovered my distaste, my <laughs> horrid distaste for phlegm. And this little shit started showing me every time she she, she
1: coughed up, you know, green, yellow. Chunks of it, you know, chunks. I'm sure everyone's had these experiences on their platforms and oh, the like.
0: Oh man, I puked every time, and while I puked, I would hear your know, evil laugh <laughs> back in the bed, just having the glory. Oh man, okay, again. So, all right, you're done with uni. Where do you go?
1: Yeah, then it's time to try and find your feet and decide where you're gonna go. i know. It wasn't going to be respiratory physiotherapy and not to do them a disservice. I think, of, I think of physiotherapy, respiratory physio, and I hope I don't alienate people here a bit like when you're trying to get that bit of ketchup out of a ketchup bottle. You've got a few options. You can give it a shake. You can tap it on the bottom and see if you can get some of the ketchup out. And if that's not working, you get a knife, suction, so you can get it out that way. So that's, uh, that's how I think about respiratory physiotherapy. I have a lot of time for neurophysiotherapists. I think that those MSK physios could learn an awful lot from what they do.
0: It's... But the neuros ones are so sp-
1: smart. <laughs> you Just... saying that's not us? <laughs> so,
0: you know, that's, that's, I get a little bit afraid of them. No. Yeah, yeah, because you know, there's a one centimeter uh, <laughs> detachment of the uh, left uh, left uh, cubical <laughs> centimetre on the deep level there, and of course she will have the trouble to say the word.
1: I don't surround myself with those people on a day to day basis, but lovely people no. nonetheless. So when I yeah. uh, when I graduated, it was I went straight into musculoskeletal physiotherapy. Yeah, I kind of always felt that's the way to go for me. And that's where I started conforming to the norm, started getting that trans abs firing, started finding out how to get the deep neck flexors working.
0: Yeah, you had to. Yeah,
1: Yeah. got myself a bit of that. Get some of that TheraBand. (laughs) Mm. Don't forget the glutes. How did I nearly forget those? Yeah, so then get yourself a bit of TheraBand. You can have a bit of yellow, or if you're really pushing the boat out, get the red one.
0: Yeah, but not too much now.
1: (laughs) Not too much. the first day i ever worked ever is after graduating i was working in an nhs clinic and you you wouldn't have that luxury but maybe it's the same in norway where everything is divided by paper thin curtains and everyone knows that the curtains you cannot hear anything when someone's on the other side of the curtains they're yeah. perfect at deflecting sound so I go into work first day. They show me where the loos are. They show me where the kettle is. They show me all this stuff, all the important stuff, and then hand me this wad of paper, slam it down on the desk. It's like, see all of these people that your colleague has been seeing, and she's now moved on. She's moved into the fridge spiritual yeah, She's, uh, she's going to work on the tomato ketchup bottle now. So just yeah. <laughs> see these people, and I start looking at them, and I'm like, okay, shoulder, back, neck. Look at the first one. Chronic anterior instability of the shoulder. And I was like, oh, can't remember that lecture. (laughs) Can't really remember. Maybe I was in York that day. Maybe I was doing the term dance. And I was thinking, I've got away with it, you know. Five minutes in, still not turned up. Kept staring at my computer screen. And then all of a sudden, this letter A flashes up. And in the NHS, if you use the same system as me, that means they've arrived. So,
0: oh, a, oh, the horrible yeah. feeling—you know, the sucking feeling in your Oh no!
1: A <laughs> little bit of hope where you think maybe it's half an hour free, but not to be. She's just five minutes late, but that's okay. We let her know she's a little bit late, but I still see her. So she comes in. She brings her mum. She's only about eighteen years old, maybe. But she brings her mum with her. They're both sat there and reading through these notes, and I'm like. I have got no idea what these exercises are, and I've got no idea how to manage this. But I start thinking, I think, what do you do with this stuff? Proprioception. That's what you're supposed to do, right? (laughs) There you go. What can I do? What's my way in? I think, "Let's, let's get a kneeling on all fours on the bed. That sounds pretty safe to do. Didn't think to have a look at this apprehension test. Didn't think to ask if she dislocated it recently. She gets there, she starts doing her four-point kneeling, she starts doing a bit of scapular retraction, protraction. All of a sudden, dislocated. <laughs> First oh. I ever, ever saw. And her shoulder pops out there and then in clinic for me. And I'm like, oh shit, what do you do with this? And my brother is a medic. And my brother yeah. has always said to me, if you need to relocate a shoulder, what you do? you lie them on their back on the floor, you stand on their shoulder, <laughs> you pull on it.
0: <laughs> no, you didn't.
1: No, 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 this is going through my head. And I'm like, shit, this is first day. What do I do? So I pulled the curtains back and my new colleagues, three really nice young women, probably in their 30s. they're all looking at me and I just say. What do you do if someone's shoulder comes out? <laughs> and they are looking back at me, thinking, you've been here five minutes. <laughs> and I was thinking, it was safe. It was safe. It was scapular projection retraction. <laughs> and I just I just hear from over the curtains, it's okay, it's back in now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. I honestly I had to just sit there for the rest of the day and think, this is not for me. I have no idea what I'm doing. I don't have the qualifications for this. I've been at uni for three years, but really I've only been there for two because one year I was signing university messing around. How can I be expected to see these people and know what to do? And I was distracted for the rest of the day. And I think back to that first day of my MSK clinic and I was seeing people with, thinking back, obvious rotator cuff tears, obvious inflammatory arthropathies, all sorts. And I'm giving them... The most bullshit exercises I could ever think of. And I'm too scared to ask anyone. And over the next few weeks, I just started moving further and further through the department, further and further away from where anyone could hear what I was doing. Uh And I was just I hiding away. Yeah, I hated every second of it. It was horrible. Horrible place to be. It's
0: a terrible feeling, isn't it? Like you You're trying to, to blend in, you're trying to do the job and then just feeling like had to, you know, back away. Yeah, Don't it's... let anyone see me. Yeah. And, and that's, the, I think that's the feeling we all get. Why, when someone asks to stand in and listen to your consultation, even yeah. now when I worked, at, you know, a few years. So, yeah. yeah, can I, can I, can I join you for this consultation? <laughs> and, you know, in my head, I'm going, no, you cannot. You can fuck right off. But, you know, you're speaking. Yeah, yeah.
1: Well, yeah of course you can. Uh,
0: well, no, no problem. No. But, oh, yeah, that's
1: a shitty feeling, man. So what we used to do when you're, you might not be familiar with it, people listening maybe, but in the NHS, we have this banding system. You don't call people by their names in the NHS. You call them by their band. So when you come in as a physiotherapist, you are a band five.
0: Like Guns Rose Or a band five,
1: yeah. The band five or the band six. It's never here Max. comes Thinkfist. <laughs> it's never Tom, it's the band five. Call them by their banding. Yeah. And All what right. they used to do was this sort of session where the band six, who as you'd think is superior to the band five, would just yeah. have a look through your notes and they'd decide to discuss it with you. No, fuck twins. no, they did not. <laughs> they no, oh, no, 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 no. This is no, or, this is my worst nightmare. I can listen, I can listen to it. <laughs> it depends. If you're if you've got a really nice senior, if you want to use those sort of words. If you've got a nice senior who's gonna to chat to you and say, Is there anything you wanna discuss? You get to choose which patient you pick out of your phone. Yeah, okay. Yeah. But but what you tend to say to that question is, I don't have anyone to discuss, <laughs> everything <Edmonton> is fine. <laughs> We don't need to discuss anterior instability I'm acing in the this shit. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: No failure here. No, no, yeah. no. That's how I'm you on the road to <laughs> becoming an expert. Yeah, but that's the scary thing. I think back and I think the day before I started, I was not nervous. I was like, "MSK physio, I've got this. Tennis yeah. elbow, I know what to do for that." Mm. Shoulder impingement. I know where, if they know where the theraband is, I know how to get them better. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> tie, tie that theraband the, to the door. And chronic back pain. No, no, no. Don't see those. Of course, yeah, it's, the,
0: it's the iliopsoas. It's the hip flexor pulling <laughs> oh,
1: inside. I think yeah. that's a very, um, very topical at the moment, isn't it? On Twitter, but I'm not. I'm not yeah, going near the Twitter sphere right now. I will let them fight that out. So yeah i think it it took a bit of time then to try and progress through this stage of i think we'd have to call it this imposter syndrome and i think i'm probably still living with it a bit to this day i think yeah. it always follows you around and i always have this feeling of other people thinking why is this guy can managed to climb up the ladder so quickly so i've i've now moved into a diagnostic role and Moved away from the lovely treating side of physio, which I really love, but I hate to say it, but mm-hmm. money talks, and that's where the money is, unfortunately. Yeah. Here, and if you move into these roles, you get paid more money, and if you deal with the complicated people and the complex conditions and try and help them get better, you get paid less for it in England, and it's a real shame. But sorry, I do we- miss the
0: treating. Yeah, that, that's what—that's my whole game is, is, is treating. I'm shit at diagnosis, but. You know. But yeah. my whole game is the 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 journey with the patients and you know sure. and all that. What Jesus, I had a question for you, but I totally forgot it. I got lost in your story. So Sorry,
1: I've got plenty more stories to go.
0: Yeah, f- crack on then man. <laughs> crack the fuck on.
1: I I think that it's probably the only place in the world where you're allowed to pull a pair of curtains around and say to somebody if you had any change in your ability to climax during sexual intercourse, you cannot get away with that in any other job. <laughs> you don't get on a bus and the bus driver asks you this when he asks for the money. You can't order a pizza and someone asks you that, but you can ask anyone. You can ask mm. a, a 17-year-old through to a 78-year-old. You can ask them this question. And it doesn't matter what they've come in with; you can always find a reason to ask it.
0: <laughs> oh, it's perfect.
1: Do you, do you
0: feel the uh, when you approach approaching these kind of subjects? Like, do you still feel the as I do? The, you know, the unease. I get a, like a little schoolboy. You know, yeah, a think... little bit giggly. <laughs> you, you know, how's
1: you your uh, yeah, how's your uh, erection?
0: <laughs> no I trouble think, there, so. I guess. <laughs>
1: You get that vibe already, don't you? You get those people who want to tell you all about their sex life. It's on the tip of their tongue the second they come in, regardless of what they're coming for. And then you get these other people who you know they're already, they don't want to be in your clinic. Mm. The idea of you asking about the quality of their erection, when you look at their medication, you know they're already taking sildenafil. You better hope that's working. (laughs) So if it's not, we're out of options. So I think that, I don't think that ever goes away. It's taboo,
0: isn't no. it? Yeah, I think, <laughs> well, for me, I think it's a sad day if that, you know, that little nervousness goes away because that means I'm even more, uh, distance from the patient, but okay. That's got a oh, way too philosophical, but you know, that, that empathy dryness, yeah. you sometimes get, you know, you, you just, you can't, can't comprehend and being, Jitterish about and, and nervous about asking these questions just mm-hmm. shows that you're still you're still emotionally connected to that context. In my head, yeah. it but doesn't I, no, matter what, how
1: many times you ask it. You could. Ask no, it. I've probably asked it. I wouldn't even want to put a number on it, but I will never be able to articulate it perfectly, regardless of how many times I've asked that question. I will always stumble. I'll always make a mess of it. And they always think, "Why is he asking me this?" And you've got yeah. to give that quantifier. You've got to say, "I'm asking this because you <laughs> be yeah. couldn't I've, 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 I've
0: begun to do that before I asked, You know, the, the, the hard questions. I go, "Okay, I'm going to ask you a series of questions. Yeah. It may sound funny or, or strange or not appropriate, but they're all kind. They're all signs and symptoms I'm looking for within yeah. different." Parts and, and the way my, my thinking goes. So See, just stay with me.
1: I've already, a- learned something today. I've, you've already changed my clinical practice. Oh. I need to get that on a sound grab and I need to bring it with me to every clinic now. Oh, and say, oh Martin, yeah. Martin's just going to tell you why I'm going to ask these questions.
0: <laughs> he want <cut> to touch your bum.
1: <laughs> we can't do that in England. We can't do that. That's a normal well, thing.
0: Yeah, I always check for anal tone and reflexes. You know.
1: So I'll tell you something else. I will tell you the same. It would have been the first week, this, not the first day. But we see quite a diverse population in where I am in Cheshire, Shropshire way. Um, and I've been warned of this, and we have to use translation services, which are over mm-hmm. the telephone. And I thought I'm prepared for that. It's okay. We can do this. And I picked up the uh, new patient referral. Had a look at it. And the patient is from somewhere called East Timor. Have you ever heard of East Timor? I have heard of it. Can
0: I place it oh, on a wow. map? No.
1: <laughs> if you try to place it on a map, think about one of those places, which is about a quarter of the size of an ant. And it's as if you threw a dart at a map and it landed in the middle of the sea. That is East Timor. So okay. there I am. Right. this patient is coming in at 8 a.m. in the morning. Mm. I'm thinking, okay we can do it what they come in with bell's palsy i thought have i have i do i know what that is and i find myself looking on the internet frantically straight to google bell's palsy searching it can't find too much that's going to be relevant to me because i don't understand any of that so i search bell's palsy exercises that works. So, we <laughs> so, got the same routine, just fuck. Just first, Google the diagnosis and then just go. Nope. The and then go. Diagnosis exercises. <laughs> so, I pick up the phone, I ring the number, whatever it is 0800 145 679. Please enter your code Okay, 099. Hash. Please wait to be connected. And then it's it's ringing. We're already ten minutes into the appointment. This chap is staring back at me with his bell's palsy. I'm not gonna do an impression. <laughs> I can't be doing that, <laughs> and it's ringing and it's ringing. Hello, please tell us which language you would require and I'm like, "What language do they speak <laughs> uh East Tamese and they're like what, <laughs> what, what is that? <laughs> and They're like, we've we've got Outer Mongolia. And I was like, let's go for that. The only thing we can try. (laughs) So we must have waited another, I'd say 10 minutes, pushing 10 minutes, and finally someone connects and they come through. This guy has not got a clue what language he is speaking. The call is terminated. And me and this chap are just exchanging a piece of paper where he is trying to make faces back at me <laughs> for about five minutes. I'm thinking, what am I doing? I can't be doing this. Is this a job? Am I being paid for this? <laughs> Needless oh, to say, he did not come back for his next appointment. And <laughs> I hope he got better. <laughs> I really do. And if he's listening to this, I am so sorry that I didn't know what language he spoke. I don't know where East Tomorrow is. I still don't. And I still but don't have know you- how to treat Bell's palsy. <laughs>
0: To be honest with you, <laughs> it's been a long time since I Googled Bell's policy. So, what is that?
1: Oh, it's not for this podcast. We'll save that for the Monday. Okay, 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 good, <laughs> you to, know, know, you
0: good know. to know. Good to know. Yeah, not, <laughs> not, not needed well. But the translators in and 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 patients like that. Oh, Jesus Christ, that's a challenge, ain't it? Yeah, Sabine. it's a whole new
1: level.
0: It's a whole new level, and 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 well i worked at a at small hospital um they used this uh the same guy who spoke norwegian and and, and arabic yeah. and everyone in that town used this guy and, and no one bats bats an eye at it before i got there and 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 me thinking i got, you know i got social studies background and all everything and and all i was thinking at we are participating to making a chieftain out of, yeah. str- out, of a, out of a stranger. All that medical stuff he knows now about different yeah. people. You can't, you can't do this.
1: No. It's not, it's not I right. I often wonder, these translators, they could probably be screening for Corda all day long. The amount of times they've asked it in whatever language it is, yeah, know probably. they know better than us. <laughs>
0: yeah probably and <clears throat> don't you know those ethical principles and education my uh, older brother is kind of, he's 10 years older than me and he, you know he's the he's the smart one in the family uh he's got a phd and, and yes yeah, two phds and he's yeah. you know straight a kid you know nothing is good enough but perfect and he actually he worked to develop a program to to Educate translators working in the healthcare system. Just to get them into you know ethics of things, the morals, and everything. Because he saw the same gap as I did. You know, there's power here. It's authority yeah. here, so we can't just just win. So that's strange. That being said, I mostly do uh, Google Translate.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I tell you what, it's getting better and better. My patients yeah. are understanding that better than they did 10 years ago. It's so oh, accurate man, now. The days of bubblefish are over. It's all Google oh. Translate. <laughs>
0: it's, so, it's so good. I, I can have a, a, a good, good conversation with someone now just over Google Translate. I have a couple of... Because we have a pretty... In... in Regards to how a big uh, population on the island of work is, uh, we have a a, a quite a a, a big foreign population uh, mostly Syrians because of the war Mm -hmm. and and just lovely lovely people that are coming over with traumas and uh, this and that and just google translate and just being a nice bloke, I guess Mm
1: -hmm.
0: not, not, you know, over-medicalizing things and, and stuff and, and, and being all right. Is, is really been helpful. But, okay. So, now you're, you're out of uni, you're starting working, you dislocated the first shoulder you ever saw, and, <laughs> and, and you stare at a, a guy from Eastern War.
1: No. <laughs> and, and everything. But you've so. gotta you've gotta take the small wins though you these are the these are the failures, and yeah. I've still got so many failures that are happening all the time, but there's those little wins there's those little wins when someone comes in and you're still probably three months qualified and they've got that chronic yeah. back problem that they've seen five different physios for they've seen every osteopath in the area, but what they've not had they have not had a glute bridge. And the second oh, yeah. I got on that glute bridge, he came back to me and he told me he was better. Oh yeah, eyes. you <laughs> fired up, Doctor Lewis. Did you? I you, you want, not. Do you? Do
0: you? Uh, that's a good question for you. Do you still, uh, you know, when you dig- digging out and dealing out with the glute bridges, do you still, you know, put your hand to the gluteal muscle area and feel for contraction, <laughs> or are you?
1: It depends. i don't know whether you work for the good governing body and you're trying to uh, dig me out here. <laughs> so that's good i'm gonna take the no comment stance on that one <laughs> i used but to do that you, you know
0: i, I used that's to do how you, that's okay. how you
1: check if a muscle's firing
0: you have to yeah, put your exactly. hand
1: on it forget emg studies who needs them if you've got a hand far magic better than hands EMG
0: study. <laughs> magic hands man magic hands
1: I do wonder, maybe you have taken the same path as me. And I think most people listening to this have met these two guys. When you really are stuck with a patient and you're pretty newly qualified and you pop over to YouTube and two lovely chaps pop up and they say, Hi, we're Bob and Brad, <laughs> the most famous physical therapists on the internet. <laughs> Bob and Brad, man. yeah. <laughs> Those guys were my savior. I would be researching the patients who were coming in the next day to know what to prescribe the following day. Oh. And I, I feel like I should have wrote in the notes, exercises prescribed by Bob and Brad. And those oh. two guys are killing it. <laughs> God knows how, but they are killing it. But, and now when you look
0: back, you'd go accidentally into Bob and Brad's YouTube video and you're just like, oh, man, what
1: the fuck is going on? I this know. That's just- like. They should be in that dark hole of YouTube when you've started watching monkeys riding llamas and the next thing that pops up is Bob and Brad. Bob and Brad. You You watch all the cat
0: videos available on YouTube. Here is Bob and Brad.
1: (laughs) I would encourage anyone who does listen to this, even if it's just me and you listen to this, (laughs) you cannot listen to those two guys. Bob and Brad should not be trusted. They are not the way to go. And if no, you are no. if you are struggling, ask somebody. Don't ask Bob and Brad. That is not the answer.
0: No, no, no. I, I when I I, I ask uh, people out, you 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 know when you're asking me about do you have any recommendations for exercises, different exercises, and I said just fucking check YouTube. <laughs> There's loads. Just turn the sound off.
1: Yeah. <laughs> just watch,
0: watch it in silence.
1: So, <laughs> and, I think- I think it's a uh, it's a dangerous place to be when you feel like yeah. the way that you're going to develop your own learning is YouTube. And don't get me wrong, it's helpful, it's a good resource, but you can't be finding your patience and finding exercises in advance like I found myself doing. That was uh, a... Yeah. That was a dark time, and other times where you're on a Sunday evening thinking, I am not <laughs> going into it tomorrow. <laughs> Those are the darkest days, honestly. <laughs> it was the middle ages, the dark middle ages. <laughs> I zio. was waking up in a, a cold sweat and Bob and Brad were there at the bottom of the bed. <laughs> it's, not, it's
0: not where you want to be. Having, having a good wank after a night <laughs> out. You know, you know. the the we call it uh, oh Jesus, this is uh, uh, what is this? The disclaimer about what's this the, c- can't? Yeah, Bob and Brad. Dis- no, not Bob and Bob and Brad. But <laughs> what? What? What the fuck do you say? When? 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 This con- contains nudity. Warning.
1: Oh yeah, disclaimer. You got
0: it. A disclaimer. Yeah, disclaimer. So, yeah. so if you, uh oh, faint of Heart or something, tune out now mm-hmm. because. I'm gonna say something, you know, a bit silly. I think it's funny, but but anyway, uh, we call it when you when you're out on the town and you get home and you haven't found anyone to hook with, so you have yourself a little cry wank. <laughs> So I'm, so I'm not sure I stand
1: up for this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> my
0: whole point was I ruined it now. But, but the whole point was, you know, having a cry wank. There's Bob and Brad. What's my <laughs> whole point. I used have three minutes to explain that bloody ruin. That's my whole future career, really. I just Took too too long and
1: explained it too too weirdly and too badly. To
0: don't worry, I'll forgive.
1: I'll forgive you and I'll consider doing a second episode, but we'll see. Oh fuck I you! Didn't. You sign up. You sign up to, to, up to be a co-host now. I only so, did the logo.
0: You only did the logo. No, no, no. If anyone asks, whose idea was this? Matt was Matt's idea.
1: I think the people who are listening to this can uh, probably tell that we didn't prep a thing of this. This is uh, totally off the cuff, but that's how things yeah. be natural. That
0: yeah. is a conversation, and to to just uh, prove to our listeners that this is a conversation, also on a f- Friday evening. Of course, this is the Friday physical Confession podcast. I'm going to do this.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah, I've already, and also and I'm
1: already both open. I can't. I can't match it. I can do can't, can't so. match <laughs> yeah. it. But
0: and and. No, you know, I have a wife that's very supportive of me and every crazy idea I get. And she's lovely. I love her. She's she's a gorgeous lady. And I really do love her. But she asked me before this episode, you know, well, who are you talking to? And I was like, I'm talking to the honest physio. <laughs> and she was like, the guy with the pictures? I'm like, the guy with the pictures? Yeah. <laughs> you know how big he is? I know how big he is. And I said, oh, what are you going to talk about? I don't know. Okay.
1: Bob and Brad. That's what it is. Yeah, doing. Bob and Brad. Do you have your
0: questions <laughs> ready? Nope. Okay. Do you have your talking points? Nope. We couldn't okay, do so a podcast. How do you build we up the episode? It.
1: I don't know. <laughs> so, how far in are we? In. We're 40 minutes in and we're we are barely even started. I'll tell you, I'm going to fast forward you through my career so give you Yeah, a yeah, yeah, do that. Yeah. So I did all this nonsense, and I've been down those those dark places that I told you, the YouTube diagnosis way, the YouTube yeah. exercise prescription. Um, then I needed a bit of time out, so I, I took a bit of time, and I went traveling, and I think that was the first time. I've not gone on one of these journeys where you find yourself in Southeast Asia, and you're you find yourself, it wasn't that, this was a, it's more of a reflection time, and I really reflected on everything I was doing. And I, yeah. it's the first time I probably about two years into my career I started to get familiar with different people, different personalities who are maybe on social media. Great place to be, and also started having a look at some of the research that was out there. Mm-hmm. And I, I, my eyes were just totally open to it. And I, I then ended up returning to work. And an old University friend of mine called Alex, who's still a really, really good friend today, he was relocating from another part of England. And he came up to work where I was working. And he had been working with a colleague, and I hope I don't get his name wrong. It's Chris Chris Newton, I want to call him. And he'd got, yeah. Uh, not as strong as Del Brocco, but he's up mm. there. And he'd also been, you may follow him on social media, uh, Gerpreet Singh. And these two guys have been doing a lot of work with Peter O'Sullivan. And Alex, my friend, has managed to learn from those people. And him coming to work from a different part of the country and coming up to see me was super, super helpful. Because you get opened up to new ideas, things that you you can be in such a closed environment and having someone come in from somewhere else and start sharing ideas with you. And that's what I thought... I've got to try and get out there. I've got to try and do courses. I've got to try and facilitate my own learning because there's no way Bob and Brad are going to come to the UK and do their course. So I, I need somebody to to help me with this. And I went on some some great courses and Greg Lehman and P.O. Sullivan's cognitive functional therapy workshops, um, to name but a few. Ben Cormack's courses were great. And I started shaping the way that I was thinking about clinical practice. And fast forward in the clock, you find yourself working in pain management services. That's where I kind of found my niche and moved into. Let me tell you the theory of pain management compared to implementing it. That is harder than a dick on a wedding night. That is so (laughs) hard to do. You are not going to be successful with that. It is a challenge. I thought I knew all the theory. I thought, I'm going to go in there. I know Vlayen's fear avoidance model. I'm going to fire it at these people, and they are going to get better. Yeah. And I could not believe the sort of stuff they were presenting back to me. I was taking their baggage, and they were throwing it at me. They were telling oh. me about everything that had happened to them. And I am sat there thinking am I qualified to do this? I was back to square one. I was thinking, just bring in the girl with the chronic shoulder dislocation now. <laughs> She's probably traumatized. From I can pop me. that fucker <laughs> in now. Just give it give it back. I think uh, yeah. I've probably done myself a disservice here. Fast forwarded this story too quick because I need to tell you about, I needed money to get in trouble. And that's when I thought, what does a physiotherapist do, an MSK physiotherapist, when they need money? private practice and that's where i saw an advert and i was like yeah i know what i'm doing now so private practice in i go pick up the notes no shoulder instabilities we're safe all we've got to deal with is a frozen shoulder oh yeah yeah thank you for coming in it doesn't matter what i do i just move it in every direction i can he'll be squealing he'll have got his money's worth And he came in to me and he said to me, I've been seeing your colleague. And he had the thickest Scottish accent I've heard. And I think I wrote this in a blog once and I I may have adapted it slightly, but this is the true story. So this guy came in and he said to me, I've been seeing your colleague. He's been treating me for my frozen shoulder. And I thought, (laughs) all right. I forgive this terrible accent. And I thought okay, let's let's have a look through these notes and see what's been happening. Ultrasound, three megahertz. And I was like, is that what we do? And I started to question myself and I thought, I'm in private practice now. Anything goes. So I said, I said to him, is it helping? And he's like, I, I think it's helping. And I thought, hmm, I'm going to blow this guy's mind. I'm going to show him how to put a towel up behind his back and pull his other arm so it starts coming off his back and he won't believe what (laughs) happens. I get him. I say to him, I'm going to try and help your movement get better because I'm not sure the ultrasound is the best way to go. And he just stared blankly back at me. I thought, he'll still buy in. So I got the towel and we started pulling it and he was going, (laughs) I thought, he's not enjoying it and he said it's not enjoying <laughs> <it>. <laughs> he, sa- he said to me what are we doing this for and I said well it's, it's what the evidence says the evidence isn't there for ultrasound for frozen shoulders and he said to me <laughs> I'll never forget this till the day I die you're telling me there is evidence for a tool up my back <laughs> and I thought <laughs> you make a pretty good point I can't argue with that strong <laughs> Scottish accent <laughs> Five minutes later, he was on his back, and there I was with ultrasound jelly on, and I was going for it on that frozen shoulder. I had no idea how to operate this ultrasound machine. I don't even know if it was on, but he was enjoying that treatment. He did not want the tool. And that's where I thought, I need to get away from this. And that's when I thought, I'm not cut out for private practice yet. I'm two years qualified, and I think I am. I think I can justify taking people's money and educating them and giving exercises. I was terrible. I was so out of my depth. There was people coming to see me and they had, uh, I remember a young girl pain in both shoulders. And I was like, rheumatoid arthritis, maybe sent, go back to the doctor, 40 pounds, please. <laughs> I was seeing people with degenerative meniscal tears. And I was saying to them, hmm, ultrasound will sort it, bringing them back, bringing them back. And I was thinking, what? I don't know how to manage people. I need to have a good look at myself and work this out. And it's a scary place to be. I think if you're fairly newly qualified and you think I know it and you go down a private practice route, you have to be a bloody good salesman because it comes down to the art of being able to communicate with someone, build that rapport with someone and get them to buy into you forget the treatment it could be anything and i if i had a good rapport with my scottish friend i reckon that ultrasound would have cured him no end because i would have gotten to buy into everything i said outside of that yeah, treatment session exactly and and
0: this reminds me so much of a, a quote from from uh, adam meekin's course shoulder course and he was talking about uh, the operations on, on on you know shoulder if, I forget what it's called, but but anyway, and he, he said something that sticks with me. Are
1: you sure you're a physiotherapist, Martin? <laughs> are you sure you're qualified? Yes. <laughs> you mean I, the one where I, they get the scalpel and chop it open? That
0: one? Yeah, that one. Yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> chop away at it. You know, make more, more room. But anyway, and he said something that really resonates with uh, with this story is that, and what you're saying. He said the only way you can get people to do it your way r- rather than another way is if those people like you more
1: mm-hmm.
0: so is he basically said what he said was i'm i'm paraphrasing what is that uh, the only thing you can stop that patient from doing that unnecessary surgery if if that one likes you more
1: than the surgeon mm mm-hmm. 100% i couldn't agree more i think that the way I see physiotherapy in the patients we see, that I describe to a lot of my colleagues is you've got the training you get from physiotherapy school on one side and on the other side you've got psychology and yeah. somewhere in that middle bit is that patient coming to see you and yeah. there is no way in hell that everything that you've been trained to do is going to pull them across. It just yeah. doesn't happen. You've got to meet them in the middle. You've got to understand how to understand psychology and i'm not talking about psychology degrees i'm talking about understand people understand people yeah. skills i read really good books um probably one of the Show most off. famous books read going books. <laughs> <laughs> it was called uh where's wally have you read it <laughs> <I'm really laughs> cool. uh, it was called how to win friends and influence people you must have heard of that i've heard of
0: that yeah <laughs> haven't haven't read it
1: no, Dale no. Carnegie. I recommend if, if you're not a reader, get an audio book. These, these are simple people skills that are so helpful, so helpful yeah. in your day-to-day consultations. And that's when I started thinking, I've got to develop the soft skills and I'll come back to another book because you can learn a lot not on YouTube and I am singing off this guy's hymn sheet every single day and well ahead of his time, Louis Gifford, if you've not read <laughs> that stuff. To. To, to be honest i have this
0: book i love the this is the first book i like uh or first physio book or whatever medical book i would really love reading and then yeah. I got stuck in the second book because i can't yeah. fucking understand It's <laughs> all about this gets too technical and I'm, i've been trying and i love his books i love his works and so i'm halfway there i'm halfway yeah. there
1: I think it's a, it's probably a case of realising where your limitations are for a certain yeah. point and moving on to the next chapter. There's no harm in saying, I've skipped through chapters of that book and thought, I don't get this. But he told a really good story once about a guy who came in with medial-sided knee osteoarthritis. Mild on and for the lay folk? <laughs> he had pain in the knee. That's what I like pain to say yeah. Pain yeah. in the knee on the inside of the knee. And he told a story about a guy who came in and on x-rays, mild changes, on clinical examination, moves perfectly, nothing nasty going on, nothing sinister. But this guy comes into his clinic, in Louis' book, with the most antelgic gait pattern. That also means struggling to walk. And he comes in and he is barely putting this foot down on the ground. And Louis examines him and moves his hips, screens everything. It's knee pain. That's ultimately what it is. And he asked the question to this patient of, what do you think would happen if a tiger came into this room right now? Would you walk how you have just walked? And this really started opening my mind to, this is nothing to do with strength. This is nothing to do with tightness. And that's why I was thinking all this time I'm telling people, if it's weak, get it stronger his tight stretcher and i still see that mantra and it's not a bad mantra to live by oh. make the job easier but is that going to change this guy these are behaviors these are things that people are starting to do religiously to manage their their pain and it's not mm-hmm. surprising that their pain is persistent and this guy has a realization of no actually maybe it isn't and louis also opened my mind to the idea that tens machines that we think are archaic alongside a lot of the other electrotherapy. I think they still have quite a strong place in physiotherapy. I think you'd be surprised, uh, not you personally, but advising people to use it or work with you while they're using a, a tens machine is not a bad idea. I think it's you a great like, to... I quite like
0: it not uh, not because uh, the the pseudoscience around it but I like it because it gets uh, it gives something t- People can use on their own. Like yeah. everything that that they don't need me for. I'm all, yeah. I'm all for it. And I've also seen the 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 great placebo effect. Let's say call it that as it is, of tense machines. It's gorgeous. I got, I got success story coming, guys. I got, I got a <laughs> you know a, a, a trailer chauffeur or guy dri- driving trailers all day to get back into work just by using this and feeling like he got control of his back pain again. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm I'm quite. quite,
1: uh, They still have a place. I don't think they should be confined to the same bin as a lot of other electrotherapy type treatments. And I, I think it, I like those, those buzzwords that are always out there, self-efficacy and the like, if you're, if you're giving someone something they can do themselves, What's the harm in that? Yeah. Uh, as long as they're not sticking it over their pacemaker, what's the harm in that? You're not. Yeah, exactly. Oh, so, but I, I I'd encourage those situations. Yeah. But self-efficacy. Good
0: you physicist can, you can, you can just go and lay down and have sex with that.
1: You know, self-efficacy. <laughs> I think about <laughs> it every <sighs> night before bed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> those two oh, words. Self- self-efficacy. Self-efficacy and therapeutic alliance. Those yeah. two, when they come together, you're winning. And I think... The magic happens... Days, yeah that's where the magic places i think after reading those books so that's where my treatment changed my treatment stopped being walking across to a printer to collect a piece of paper that i i'd even made my own templates of oh back pain print that one roll Mm -hmm. the knees side to side lift the bum off the bed that's when i started thinking they've had all this the patients have had this i need to be someone who's a little different does that work not always. <laughs> I, I could I could try and sell this to other people and my, say, their behavioral experiments, try and get people to do the thing that hurts. I've made people 10 times worse in clinic with me and thought, whoops. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they, yeah. And they don't come back. And I I became okay with that and started realizing, how can I learn from that? What did I not do for this guy? But I did help yeah. this other person with a similar approach. It's not my... It's not necessarily my exercise prescription. It's it's finding that middle ground with that person and getting to buy into what we're doing. And I I need a disclaimer as well, and everyone knows this disclaimer. It's always, this job is screening for sinister pathology. And once you have screened for sinister pathology, I'm a big advocate of you've got to get that person doing the thing that seems to be the irritant. And I think Greg Lehman changed my practice as well. With his mantra of "calm shit down, build shit up,"
0: yeah, movement optimism as well. Before I, before Greg Lehman I was like, "We need a sniper scope, you know, you know, mm-hmm. to do, do exactly what's needed." And after Greg Lehman I'm like, I will, "We'll use a shotgun, see yeah. what sticks." I don't really care. Just we're gonna do it. We're gonna do it all. Uh, and
1: Just that's that's back. how I how I work day to day now working in a triage role I'm screening for sinister pathology I'm screening for those inflammatory arthropathies or peripheral arthropathies all those sorts of things but once you've gone through that exclusion approach I don't pin stuff on structure Uh, I think differently to how I certainly thought a long time ago and I also think though that maybe that's not what the person wants. Maybe they want me to tell them that, oh, it's because of this calcaneal spur that you've got plantar fasciitis and you really need me to get that knuckle duster thing out and start pushing <laughs> on that heel as hard as I can. Yeah, And that will work for certain people. You've got to meet these people in the middle. And I feel I'm starting to maybe, which is a shame, lose some of that treatment skills that i would really developed. Some of the exposure type principles I would, patients I now refer through to physiotherapy services. I think, could I still manage that? Do I know how to get that guy better, or have I just passed that on and I hope that someone else knows what they're doing? So, yeah, it's funny. Physiotherapy in England, I would say, I don't know about the rest of the UK, is in a funny place. There's experienced good clinicians moving out of treating roles, and there's probably some great physiotherapists coming through, but. They need guidance and support, and it's not yeah. bread and butter, and it's not YouTube no. like this. They need to you know. I think
0: the biggest support we can ever give people is, is letting them know that we all fail, and, and it's trial and error. Is it's, it's not. We don't have all the answers. Some answers we do got. Some we don't. Most we don't. And we yeah. just, you know, we're fucking around with movements and, and and stuff, and and there's context and and everything. And and what you said now is just reminding me that our role as a physiotherapist now is is more about the critical clinical reasoning process of where does this person fit in with his life and everything, with what I know and what we can do, and. And I just think that's the most important part, you know, as you said, the screen for the red flag, screen for everything, you know, bad pathology and sinister stuff and just see, evaluate the person and see what goes on.
1: Yeah. I'll I tell you one more story before, maybe we should wrap it up before people start getting bored of us Our ramblings, Yeah. Some of these people who I'm, um, I put case studies out now on social media and I only know the outcomes of these case studies sometimes because I've had to ask someone else. I've gone to consultants and said, I don't have a clue what this is. So on the surface, it can look like, oh, why do I not know this stuff? And how does yeah. this guy know this stuff? But I see stuff all the time and have no clue and think, I probably should have known that. But I'll know for next time. And it's okay to be that way. But the story, yeah. I tell, a story I'll tell you is, uh, I remember being in a clinic and overhearing one of my colleagues being with a patient and it was all about ribs being out of place Uh, these are physiotherapists talking about this needs putting back in place xyz and before we knew it that colleague unfortunately went off sick so that patient then gets transferred across to me and he comes in to see me and I pick up the notes and I think oh shit this is going to be this is going to be interesting but yeah. I think I can, I can get this guy on board with my way of thinking, which I think is the right way of thinking. He comes in, he tells me the treatment he had last time was super helpful, and he's getting better. But I can't, for, number one, I don't know how to put a rib back, and if someone knows how to do that, please tell me. DM me and let <laughs> me know. But I thought, what do I do? Because I don't know how to put this, I don't know these treatments. I don't know what she's been doing here. She or he, No, no, no gender specified i think what should i do next so i start going down this route with him and i'm looking at him move and he's he's your typical fear avoidant doesn't move doesn't flex his lumbar spine at all all these adaptive behaviors how on earth the rib is contributing to this i do not know um and i tried to get him on board with my way of thinking and he goes away and then he phones me the next day and he says when is your colleague coming back from sick leave? I could do with seeing her again (laughs) because I feel a lot worse after the things we did in clinic. (laughs) This this clinician has said stuff to this patient and influenced their presentation. Mm -hmm. And I thought it was, to be honest, it was like a a horse who's been on laxatives. It was just full of shit. It was terrible. And I couldn't get them on board with my way of thinking. And was I right? I'll say yes. Was she right? I said no. But was the patient improving with me? No. Did he have rapport with someone else? Yes. So it comes back to what we've been saying. There's so many things to recognize that you could be thinking you're doing the right thing treatment wise. And you think this is what he needs to hear. But maybe not. Maybe it's maybe it's understanding the person sat in front of you a little bit more and I'll probably keep failing every day with some of the treatments I advise people to do in the brief interventions I have when I'm referring them onto physio. Yeah. It's just, it's getting that rapport. I think is probably the biggest message I could get across in this brief yeah. podcast we're doing today.
0: As you, as you started being a good salesman,
1: just yeah. being
0: good in, in, in the buy-in and everything. And, and yeah. That report, uh, build that report.
1: I, I gotta You gotta wonder, these people like Darren Brown, are you familiar with Darren Brown? No, state, if you have a look, you'd be he's an amazing stage performer. I think people in the UK are very, very familiar with him. Darren, I'm going to Google. Like Yeah, spelt with an E D E, Darren Brown, and he could get people doing things and understanding things. It's something I suggest to you, Martin. Have a look at, he's a great. Even if it's nothing to do with physiotherapy, you'd enjoy watching that stuff.
0: Psychologist, illusionist, Mm -hmm. psycho.
1: I went to one of his Mm. stage performances once, and I guess you could kind of call him a hypnotherapist. And he was seeing people with chronic problems, and they were were like these faith healers. He was trying to take them off. These people are getting better right in front of our eyes. And he's a good salesman. Darren Brown is famous. If he says he's going to get your back better, he's going to get your back better. No matter what, if you've got that grade four (laughs) spondylolisthesis, he's getting you better.
0: (laughs) He's going to do it. Man, that's an episode in itself. Hypnotherapy.
1: (laughs) I've often wondered to myself, I would love to train in that. I absolutely adore it. And I think combining all these different elements to managing people, an understanding of anatomy, an understanding of psychology, hypnotherapy. Mm. Imagine yeah. that clinician. He's yeah. called Peter O'Sullivan.
0: <laughs> yeah, he's called Peter. But all I'm thinking about hypnotherapy, if just someone could hypnotize me uh, into thinking uh, I don't like beer anymore and I don't like candy and I'd love to work out. So just I, I, get 180
1: yeah <laughs> what we should do is we should hit up a hypnotherapist i would love to have a chat with a hypnotherapist that would be yeah interesting. jesus christ that is a good great idea so just i think that gap being bridged and uh it's, i don't know some people don't buy into hypnotherapy do they but there's something there and i'd be interested yeah. to know. yeah something to talk about and it's interesting and that's a great idea
0: just let's find someone some hypnotherapist that you know tolerates that bullshit. And keep on. I
1: think, All right. I, think, I the, think the beer might be talking, Martin. Now I think we might
0: need to wrap it up. Yeah, that could. That could be, yeah, yeah, we're probably. Yeah. We're going to drink beer every episode, so that's great. But well, I think this is a great place to wrap it up. But before this episode, I ask you, my co-host, the honest physio, to come up with a good old fact, something <laughs> to educate our audience with. What so you, the hell do you get off with?
1: You asked me for something anatomy, physiology-based, yeah, and yeah. I struggled with that. So I have to check my stats, but this one blew my mind. Mm-hmm. In Australia, there's 48 mm-hmm. million kangaroos, and in Uruguay, there are three million five hundred inhabitants. So if kangaroos decided to invade Uruguay, that means yeah. each Uruguayan is going to take on fourteen kangaroos. Can you imagine if that day came? Oh, shit. <laughs> but okay, how how many kangaroos
0: do you think you can handle in a fight?
1: Have you seen one? Have you ever come face? Yeah, a yeah, I've yet? seen one.
0: So this, is, this is, how many? Okay, okay. I'm so gonna... you get you get uh you you get the equipment or t- tools or weapons you have in your shed. Cool.
1: Go. <laughs> I haven't got shed, so I'm going to take on one of those little baby joeys. I think, <laughs> honestly, seeing seeing the size of those guys, you couldn't take on more than one. They are so one,
0: yeah,
1: yeah. I reckon one, but it's a great question. That what's the biggest? I've heard this asked on another podcast. But I can't remember who it is. What do you think the biggest animal is that you could take on? In all reality, don't be going lying I, I've not met you in person, but if you go lying I'm uh, I'm signing out for the night. <laughs>
0: Uh, the biggest animal Taking. Oh, okay. Do, do I get tools? Do I get weapons or, or do I get your I hands? Yeah. Your fist. Yeah. It's a fist your fist. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. All oh, right. Your fists. And the biggest animal, uh, I would probably get, uh, I know I could take on a chihuahua. I, know <laughs> I,
1: but I tell you what, I, why don't we leave it there and then you can tell me next time what you've, uh, what you've decided is the animal you're
0: yeah. taking on. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's a good. good place to wrap it up. And, well, Jesus, we kept this on in almost one hour and ten minutes. So that was a little long, but it was a good yeah. one, I think. It's a it's a big uh, big episode for number one, the Friday Visio Confession Podcast, and I think you're, you'll be a great co-host, man.
1: Thank you for having me. On. I've enjoyed it. It's good to good to ramble.
0: Yeah, I think you're going to make this work.
1: Perfect.
0: So nice. So uh, enjoy the rest we'll of your evening,
1: to... everyone.
0: Well, there's uh a... yeah, there's an hour left in my evening, so I'll probably just uh, go up to my wife and no, I will
1: definitely leave it there. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I would probably uh, get this recording and bring it up up as soon as humanly possible. So Mr. Logo Man, ship me out your logo so I can put it on. And and everyone, thank you for listening to episode one on the Friday Physio Podcast with me, Martin Christensen, and my co-host, Matt Del Brocco, who is not a porn star, not yet. Think. Not yet, but it's the honest physio. So again, have a nice day.